Why don't you pray with me? Father God, to not lose this sacred moment, a holy night is what we're here to reflect on, is what we're here to focus on, is what we're here to, to realize the truth that Andrew spoke about, that you are a God who really came, you came in the form of a child, God incarnate, God with us. We celebrate that tonight. Would you manifest the presence of your spirit in this sacred time? We pray in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being with us tonight. It is so amazing. Just you and I snuggled in here. Isn't that kind of nice? We almost had to have people double up in there, but thank you for sharing part of your Christmas Eve with us. I hope you're getting the message of the songs that we've sung, the scriptures we've read. This time together is really a sacred moment, and I get it. I know some of you are here for tradition. It's what you do. I'm with you. I love the tradition of coming out every Christmas Eve and getting into the spirit of Christmas by commemorating, reflecting on the birth of Jesus Christ. And I know, I see you right now. I can see you right now. There are some of you that are here out of obligation. It's all over your faces. And I get it. My boss told me I had to be here tonight too. So I get that. And you came at three o'clock because you got dinner waiting or maybe you haven't even started shopping yet. There's a few more hours left. Whatever the reason is, you're here. There are some of you that it's nostalgic. You're here and we're singing those songs. We get to put our ugly Christmas sweaters on and show up together and nobody can laugh at us because we're celebrating. Some of you are here for community, but we're here all together in this place. But there's still a tension, isn't there? Can you feel that? I mean, I think when we sit here, we, it's not lost on us as we look around in our world. There's tension. I think we would, many of us would say, never before have we seen such division in our country. We still see injustice and, and, and violence and you know, social issues that are plaguing us and poverty that's still here. And, and we feel a tension in all that. Some of you are going to go home tonight and you're just going to eat more food than you can ever imagine, than you ever should eat. And uh, some of you are going to open up a bunch of gifts. There's going to be a lot going on at your house. But I also know there are some of you that are going to go to a quieter house. Do you feel the tension? Maybe your relatives couldn't come uh, this holiday. Maybe like me, we had a son that got married and now he's going to the outlaws. You feel the tension of all that, right? <laughs> and you get it. And there are some of you that this time of year is, is also a lonely time. You've, you've lost somebody that you've loved. And Christmas just puts our emotions like under a magnifying glass and it just feels so raw. And we all feel that tension of our country, our culture, our, our hearts. Some of you have got people coming for dinner and you're like, hurry up and finish. I don't wanna burn this thing. There's tension. Some of you have relatives that you haven't spoken to all year, but at Christmas time, we come together and we've got to pretend we love each other more than we do and that we even know each other more than we do. It's true. And we feel it. There's a tension in the air and there's emotion behind that. I, uh, I had a friend send me a book this year at Christmas time. Tim Keller, pastor and author, wrote a book called Hidden Christmas. And in it, he said these words at the very beginning. He said, Christmas is the only Christian holiday that is also a major secular holiday. Uh, you might argue that Easter's that way, but Christmas is huge, isn't it? 
I mean, our culture, our world starts promoting Christmas in the summertime and they start trying to get you to buy things. And, and yet in the midst of that, we have the, the Christian tradition that wants to put the baby in a, in a, my wife and I had this, we, we went out on one of our walks this year, we made it a new year's resolution to do a mile walk every night. And it's the end of the year. We look back on the calendar and we've done that three times and uh, true story. And uh, we were in our neighborhood, and one of the times was at Christmas time. And I got to tell you, some of you with your houses have gone all out at Christmas time. It's, I'm impressed by that. I, my wife tries we just, to get me to put lights up. One year for Christmas, I put one light up, and I said, "There, it's done." I don't like putting lights up. I, I fall. I cut myself on the cactuses and all the mesquite trees. And in fact, my house looks mostly like this up here. You can take a look. That's kind of what. My house looks like at Christmas time when I try to put the lights up. What I think, most of you are kind of going for this up here. Take a look at this next one. That's, and if that's your house, sorry, not sorry. I'm sorry because it's up here, but I'm not sorry because I think it's amazing. You went for it. And, and in the midst of that, you can actually see there's actually a nativity in between the ho-ho-ho, Santa land here, all that. It's in there. So they've got it. They went for it. That's pretty amazing. And then some of you are kind of lazy. You, you said, you know, I'm not doing all the light thing. It costs money. I'm going to do the blow-up thing. This is you right here. Is that... And, or, and you can actually see that somebody went for, there's no nativity in that one, but you see the Noah's Ark there on the right. I don't know what that has to do with Christmas, but hey, let's put all of our blow up things, or maybe yours house looks like this. Maybe you tried to combine both of them. You put them all there, and, and somewhere in there, there's maybe a nativity scene, but most of you are trying to go for something like this next one here, trying to find that blend of celebration. You can put the next one up, Patty, over there, wherever it is. There, oh, oh, by the way, this is what it looks like you blow up people when you, when you take the plug out. That's, that looks pretty violent to me. So uh, don't do the blow-up thing unless you're going to keep the air going all during the Christmas season. But, but as I said, most of us are trying to go with this next one. Most of us want our houses to look like this. And we want to celebrate. As my wife and I were walking around the neighborhood, uh, we loved all the lights. We loved it. And I loved it when people, when we looked and we found the nativity. I, I appreciate people who put that up there, but so often those nativity scenes were kind of smashed in the middle. Like literally yesterday we were going by a house and there was the nativity. Thank you for putting it up, but it was right next to the Grinch. True story. It was between three inflatable Star Wars characters. They're Christmassy, I guess. And right in front of it was a, a Hello Kitty little thing. And if that's your house, good for you. That's great. And, uh, but that's Christmas. And you know, when I saw one house the other day, they had, to, they had the countdown Christmas thing on there to tell you how many hours and sleeps were left and all that. And, and then I looked for the nativity, didn't see it. But then I saw it over in the bushes off to the side. And I thought, okay, there's the nativity. But I felt the tension. The tension being, here's all this celebration, the secular world right here. And Jesus is pushed off to the side. And I felt myself, like many of you might feel, I felt myself kind of going to Grumpyville. Have you been there? I was like, why does Jesus always kind of be put off to the side? But then I caught myself, and as I was reading my, the book my friend uh, shared with me, uh, he said this one thing that I thought was good. He said, when I look around at this holiday that's shared by Christians and the secular world alike, he said, I am glad to share the virtues of this day with the entire society. Now, Why? And he goes on, he says, because once a year, we all stop for a moment and we focus on the same thing. 
Don't you notice we focus on the same things. We put up lights. The secular world puts up lights. Christians put up lights. They're symbolic of hope in the Bible. Certainly the light of the world being Jesus, the origins of that. We both celebrate time with family. Many of you are gonna be traveling. Time to be together with family, people we love. It's a season of giving. I think everybody appreciates giving to people close to you, to people that are in, in need. Those are some pretty great things that happen with the Christian celebration and the secular celebration together. And it all fits with the origins of Christmas. It fits with the Christmas story. And it's amazing. I'm okay with the tensions. My fear lies more in the fact would those people forget someday where those lights come from, why we put up the lights, why we give gifts. And it's my job as a pastor and our job as followers of Christ to make sure people never forget. It's the purpose of our gathering tonight to share this great reason that we celebrate Christmas. The giving of gifts, for example, is a natural response to the sacrifice of Christ giving his life. Giving to people in need is a reminder that Jesus wasn't born as a prince. He wasn't born as they hoped uh, to a king in aristocracy. No, Jesus was born into poverty, wasn't he? He was born to a couple who didn't have much of anything. And when Jesus lived his brief life here on earth, who did he focus on? Who did he pay attention to? It was to the least of these that Jesus ministered to in this world. All the lights that we put up, they come from the Christian belief that the hope of the world will come from a light outside the world. Look at the way the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. He says, the people who walk in darkness. Darkness is both physical and spiritual. We will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. The inference being that something from outside of those people walking in darkness is going to shine on them. Verse 6, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders, meaning that he is gonna be the king of kings. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's gonna know it all. He's gonna be the person that we go to. He'll be called Mighty God. All powerful is who he is. He is the eternal father. He's coming to give us a hope beyond the blip of this life and he's the prince of peace. That we're going to figure out that it's his presence in this life and the life to come that is gonna give you the peace, the hope, the joy, the love that we so desperately are trying to solve by putting out the darkness in our own power. And do you feel the tension of that? Every year, but once a year, we get to help people understand some of the meaning of the songs that you might hear when you're shopping in the mall. And one of the first hints of Christmas around here is when people put up the Christmas lights. Lights are so important in our culture. I mentioned physically and spiritually. This morning, I was out running with my running partner and mentor, Jerry, and uh, we were running in the dark. We started that early. When you get older, you get up early and you run in the dark. And I don't even run anymore. We, used to, we actually, now we jog because I used to, when you get older, you jog. And well, actually, we don't even jog. We actually shuffle, literally, we shuffle. <laughs> So we started shuffling in the dark, and in the dark, that physical darkness, we couldn't see where we were going at all. We had to turn on a man-made light that we got so that we could see our way just the next step in front of us while we ran in the dark. 
And an amazing thing happened as we made our way down through the trail and up a ridge that we we ran along, all of a sudden I stopped, because I like to stop a lot when we run, usually for coffee or something like that. That's how, I'm a bad runner that way, and coffee or food. And we stopped on the top of this ridge out there in in the desert, and I looked down the valley to the left, and it was still dark. And it was really dark. I could see people starting to put a light on. When we walk into a room and it's dark, we, we put a light on. And then I looked to the right of me and I saw a different kind of light coming. It was the light of the dawning day. It was the sunrise. And it was truly a spectacular, beautiful, dare I say, uh, sacred moment. The Bible says that Many are walking in dark. And when the Bible uses that term darkness, it many times is referring to an evil and suffering in, this, in the world. Look at the way Jesus says it in Matthew chapter four. He says, the people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land of the shadow of death, he's quoting the Isaiah passage. Upon them, this is the way that author says it, a light dawned, a light from the outside. Look at the way the apostle John says this in John 1 verse 9. It says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. We know in context he's talking about Jesus, the birth of Jesus. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's a potent Bible verse The God of the universe manifested in the flesh, Jesus, who came to point us away to a life beyond this one and then lay his own life down for us. When he came, the world was in such darkness that they didn't recognize him. Ultimately led to them killing him for false truths, which we now know were truths that he claimed to be God. And he, credi- he was credible because of the miracles that he performed and then laid his life down for us. And so in the Bible, it's not just a physical darkness, but it's an evil darkness. Think of the time when Jesus was born, if you know your biblical history. When Jesus was born, there was violence in the world. Can you picture that? In the world that Jesus was born, there was violence, there was injustice, You know, people were being taken advantage of. There was an abuse of power. Homelessness was rampant and they could do nothing about it. Refugees were fleeing oppression at the time of Jesus. Families were being ripped apart and there was bottomless grief. That sound familiar? Don't you think that that headline could be written right now here in America? We look around us 2,000 years later, not much has changed Because a dark world thinks that they can change it on their own. And we've been trying for 2,000 years and even before that. And we are still finding ourselves violence around us. Injustice pervades. Abuse of power is rampant. Homelessness continues. Refugees are still fleeing oppression. Families are still being ripped apart. And there is bottomless grief. The other way this world is in darkness, I think, is that we've been trying to fix it ourselves. And the Bible says, no, that's still gonna leave you in darkness. The Bible tells us that people tried every other way they could think to fix this pain, and we do the same today. You you would think if we read our Bible, even as Christians and churches, we battled this, we still think that if we could just get the right political party or people in office, that we would solve the problem of violence and pain in our world. 
it doesn't seem to be. We think if we just educate everybody, maybe if we just make sure everybody has access to education and everybody knows how to take care of themselves, know how to run their life, that maybe we'd solve some of the injustices in our world. And we don't see that happening. Good things, good things to try, good things to focus on. But the Bible says that will keep you in darkness. Uh, we, we look at going after issues of social justice, a good thing like world hunger. We'd love to see that problem solved. And yet Jesus himself said, those poor, the hungry, they're always gonna be with you. Those of you that have dived into that noble cause, know what it's like when you try to solve the water problems in the world. You're overwhelmed, aren't you? You can say, this is, I can't imagine overcoming this and solving this problem. And the Bible says, well, that was never gonna be the answer from within you. Many of us look to money. We think if we just take all the money in the world, redistribute it all around, we'll take care of all of the homelessness and families being ripped apart and refugees and, and it's not working. Maybe technology will give us the answer or love, that's it. We tried that in the 60s, we tried it now. If we just all learn to love and get along, all good things. But in the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for us, <laughs> right? I mean, 2,000 years ago, we have 66 books that tell you story after story of people who tried to fix things in their own power. And God, like a good fisherman, would let the line go out until they got tired. And when they came to the end of themselves and finally yielded a knee, as many of our songs that we've just sung tell, they surrendered to him, they experienced, as we've been talking about here at our church, a joy unfathomable and a hope eternal. It's a beautiful and a powerful thing. And so we share the same problem as the folks that were born at the time of Christ. We continue to try to solve the problem of darkness by ourselves. And despite our best efforts to bring peace and unity on earth, as noble as it is, that was never going to happen when we understand the original Christmas story and God's purpose in this life. Actually, it's the exact opposite. Humanity cannot save itself. The message of Christianity is not, we can fix this if we just work really, really hard. If we just all read our Bible and pray and go to church, life is gonna be better. No, the Bible, in fact, has said, Jesus' own words, that this world is never gonna give you what you want in complete satisfaction. You will always thirst for something far deeper than any gift you can get tomorrow, than any celebration you could ever have, than any nostalgic moment you can have. It's never gonna quite fill the hole, the gap that we have in our lives. And the Bible screams the message, listen to the story, hear the words of truth. Put them in your heart as that one little girl, she said, Mary Palmered these things. I love that, didn't you love that? Ponder these things in our own heart. And so the message of Christianity is not we can fix it by ourselves. And it's not the other way, the pessimist. I know people have just thrown their hands up in the air and said, well, fine, it's not working. I just give up and just, you know, be depressed. May just eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we But that's not the message of the Bible either. No, the message of the Christian story instead is things really are bad. The Bible acknowledges that. We do really live in a dark place and we can't heal or save ourselves. But the message of the Bible is nevertheless, there is hope. There is hope beyond those, th this life. On those living the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Note as I said earlier, that light comes from outside of us. Jesus brought that light 
to save us and to give us hope. Jesus' own words in John 8, verse 12 are these words. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What a potent passage. We're gonna light some candles. There, I spoiled it for you. I was gonna surprise you with that, but you're all holding candles, but we're gonna light them in a minute. And we're gonna be careful with all that. But to understand that it's not just a pretty photo op that we put on a card, maybe a picture on our table, but it was so powerful to represent something so meaningful as the song we just sung, Oh Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It was originally what we put lights up for. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. We are in darkness. Without Christ, we are hopeless. The best we can do is have moments of bliss or happiness, but they seem so fleeting and so difficult to capture. And many of you are exhausted trying to chase them down. And in Jesus' own words, when he saw people doing the same thing 2,000 years ago, in Matthew 9, we read, he looked out onto the masses and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were helpless and harassed. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Could it be as you've come here tonight that maybe for the first time the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes to consider that your way that's exhausting and tiring you is not filling the thirst, the quenching the thirst that is most deep in your soul and that Christ really is the one who breaks this glorious morn and gives our life value, meaning, and purpose. I've always said it's so difficult to, to avoid Christianity that gives us such great explanation as to how did we get here? Great academicians have taken the Bible and said its origins, what it tells us about where we come from are so plausible, verifiable, and very strong in their argument as to our origins. The Bible then, if we take it for what it says, and its canon is a powerful journey in and of itself, once we understand this, the Bible, Jesus, the light, says he gives us meaning and purpose for our lives. So we don't live just for Christmas anymore, or Easter, or maybe for weekends, or that vacation you've always wanted. No, whether we're well-fed, Paul would say, or hungry, whether we have much or little, we have a peace that passes all understanding because of Christ in us. He gives your life purpose and value and meaning. And then he takes your life beyond the, just the blip of, of time and space and says there's an eternity beyond this one that I'm inviting you into. That's the message of Christmas. You heard us sing a little bit of Hark the Herald, Angels Sing. I wanna encourage you, when you hear that come on your all night radio tonight, playing Christmas carols, when you hear Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, it's the whole message of the good news of Christmas in one song. Hark the Herald, Angels Sing tells the story of Jesus. He's the everlasting Lord. And what was his mission? God and sinners reconciled. In this dark world, sin is part of that. Sin is just our missing the mark, just our missing the point, not recognizing the light. Jesus, when he came from outside, sin has separated us from God. And the song says, Jesus himself, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, reconciled when we put our faith and trust. How? He laid his glory down that we no more may die. Left heaven, left a place he didn't have to leave to come as a baby and give us second birth. What is that? Well, as Nicodemus said in John chapter three, we had a first birth. 
But when we put our faith and trust in Christ, we get a new birth, a spiritual birth, a second birth, a summer of the entire teaching of Christianity in one carol that for one season a year, we all sing at Christmas. And to understand Christmas is to understand the gospel, the good news, the Christmas story that we've been sharing all year around here, culminating to this moment tonight, Christmas, the tension between our Christian tradition and a secular celebration coming together. As divided as we may seem, we're here. On one level or another, we're all thinking about the same thing. You received a candle when you came in here tonight. I think you did. And so I wanna encourage you to take that out. And we have to give the safety caveats like those commercials for medicine, all that kind of stuff. If you bend this over, you will burn. If you do this, you will put this. <laughs> Hold it straight up and down. And we wanna encourage you that as you light this candle to remember what the Bible says, that the light is not just a light in and to itself, that Jesus became the light of the world. And as Jesus proclaimed, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. What a beautiful picture. And as you look around you right now, you see one candle in the darkness, it's pretty cool. It pierces the darkness. And as the apostle Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians that this treasure, this light has been poured into us. We're like earthen vessels, jars of clay, that if you know about your biblical history, they're filled with cracks and broken parts because this treasure was never meant to be contained. In fact, this treasure was meant to be shared with people. And then I walk over here, lighting one step ahead of me, one light lit and passed on to another. The truth of God's word given to you. Yes, you matter. And that light in you is powerful. As this light is passed, I want to encourage you to keep it down low on your, in your lap and keep it pointed straight up. We're going to sing Silent Nights. And as we sing that, just ponder the words we've shared now. Oh, 
sort of down, just take a look around and see how that's such a beautiful picture, a light being shared in the darkness. And I know in an American cultural church history, we don't always been good at this, but and we've often said, you know, share your faith, win three and 83 and all that. But I got to tell you, the reason we're called to share our faith we don't have a sales pitch around here is because we absolutely believe that Jesus Christ came into this world to give us a hope. And those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ are so convinced we've seen the spirit move in our lives and our lives change that we can't help but share that light. That's what happens when you encounter the true meaning of Christmas. Light comes into your life and it overflows into your spheres of influences. I'm gonna have us in just a moment to see the power of impact as we hold our lights up. I'm gonna to count to three. And as we hold them up, just to look around you and to see the power of a light, not hidden, not kept in your lap, but shared with others to see. And we'll sing one more verse of Silent Night. So one, two, three, hold them up. Silent Night. that this picture will be riveted in your mind and you can lower your candle and that you would remember this moment for years to come, at least all year till we do this again and reflect on what the true light that comes from outside means to us. I'm gonna have you blow it out carefully and keep your candle vertical because there's wax and I'm gonna close us in a word of prayer. Father God, what a sacred hour we have shared together, a holy hour. What a time that we have come together, the body of Christ. And Lord, I know that there are people here that feel all sorts of emotions that we talked about at the very beginning of the hour. May we be, go home tonight or, or to our families, friends, loved ones, wherever we might be, and we realize that the peace on earth is more of a peace within because of Christ in us. And so Father, as we walk into this evening, may we walk with that hope, carriers of that hope, and may that overflow in our lives for the entire year. 
We praise you. We thank you for coming as a child in such a humble way to show us the new way to navigate this life and for the hope of eternity. Thank you, God. We praise you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, you are dismissed. Merry Christmas.